everybody. I'm Josh. And I am Alyssa. And we are back with today's episode of The Podcast Was On Fire. And it wasn't my fault. A read-along pod where we dig into the good, the great, and the problematic of the Dresden Files series by Jim Butcher. Yay. I've read them all a bunch of times. And this is my first time through. And I finally broke her down and convinced her to read them with me. And so we're going we're gonna to memorialize her getting through it. With this right here, Pod. Uh, hopefully one or two of y'all enjoy listening along. And that gets us up on who and what. And where are we at today, Liz? We are looking at chapter 16 through 21. Of Summer Night, book four in the series. Gosh, we're almost halfway through. How exciting. Wait, through this book? Actually, this is halfway through, according to Kindle. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah. And again, it was another great chunk. Yeah. There's a lot. There's interesting stuff here. There's a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, certainly a lot more action-packed than last week. A little less lore-heavy. Although we do get some good lore stuff, of Mm -hmm. course. But I just... Go ahead. A lot of interesting juxtaposition moments. Oh, yeah? What do you mean by that? Uh, the winter versus summer stuff. Because the stuff we saw in winter last time, and then this, this time we see stuff in summer. And it's really interesting. Oh, definitely. There is one line in particular that I'm going to draw your attention to later on that front. Okay. Um, if I remember, and I have it bolded in my notes, so how can you miss the bolding? Oh, uh, how you doing today, Liz? I am Peachy Keen Jellybean. Yeah, nothing exciting. Not too much, you know. Went to the gym. Ooh. Recording a podcast with you. Gonna make some mozzarella cheese later. I party hard, y'all. <laughs> just just glamour muscles, I assume, right? Pecs, pecs and biceps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my arms are gonna be good for probably another 45 minutes before that muscle ache starts to set in. But that's okay. That's why I spend a good 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the sauna after I'm done lifting. Ooh, fancy, fancy, fancy. It's the hopes and it'll give me a little bit of time <laughs> before everything starts hurting. <laughs> I never want to go to the gym, but I always like having been to the gym. I actually love going to the gym. I love working out and lifting. When I was doing, when I would do tons of cardio, I didn't like it as much. But now I'm on like, a, I do a little bit of cardio and then do a bunch of heavy lifting. And I really like it so much. And it was just, it took me some time to find a gym up here and kind of get back into it. Because before, like, I was doing really, really good. And then I hurt my knee. And then I got back into it. And then I had surgery. And I figured nine months out of surgery, abdominal surgery, will be a good time to start. And it seems to be. Right? Nice. I do like the feeling of, like, a Lifted. A good workout. I mean, I mean, I played sports all through college, so yeah. I lifted a ton. And then, like I said, when I was in Canada, I had nothing to do, and I had a work visa, so I only could only work the one job, which was you know, if you're really stretching it four hours a, a day. Uh-huh. And so I had a lot of time to kill. Did a lot of pro- <laughs> lot of projects, cooking, and got really jacked. And then I got in really good shape and did some triathlon stuff. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. I really uh, should do some of that being in shape stuff. Put it, put it on the list. Put it on I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Trying to get there. Oh, man. Oh, man. So. You we... know, Hot Girl Summer's coming up. 
It's the summer of Lissy. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I went up there last Thursday night. We hung out. It was lovely. We made it was a new great friend. Fun. Yes, we did. <laughs> Tony was buying us shots. And oh, yeah. Guy. Um, Hi, Tony, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was good times. Yes. Um, but yeah, so it was lovely to see you. I went to a great little old wedding with my How old... was the wedding? It was lovely, as weddings tend to be. That's awesome. In the middle of nowhere, Napa Valley, Calistoga, which was Pretty gorgeous. There, Don't get me wrong, gorgeous, yeah. but it was uh, a little out there. A couple of the uh, people I was with got their bags stolen out of their car with people in the car at the gas mm-hmm. station. Good old Oakland. Oak Town, represent. But it got a lot less exciting after that. Certainly it was lovely That's to see. That's good. Old, uh, That's the kind what? of excitement you do not need. One of the last of my old high school buddies to get married, I'd have to imagine. I can't remember. I really don't have that many single friends left. Oh, there's a couple. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Yours truly's got to get one of these at one of these points. We'll see. Um, I need I a mean... uh, what do you call those things? A girl. I need a girl to have a wedding. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, you but as we move forward here in universe. We just got out of the weird teleportation way situation where we were at mm-hmm. and we met Maeve and we met the summer night Lloyd Slate and he had just come back from a bloody task. Maeve is a crazy person and she can't control her power. Harry has no interest in selling his firstborn child and he didn't even wait to hear really what the reward was. I mean... <laughs> My mama taught me to sh- how to shop. I mean, you always listen for the deal before you turn it down. <laughs> I mean, we know we both know Brenna. Come on, we could have we could have started at Alyssa, right? I mean, come on, in a nice beachfront property. All I'm saying, all I'm saying, listen for the deal before you turn it down. Um, we realize that we're getting rushed, which is weird for fairy. Usually, mm-hmm. all of the she and the creatures of the Never Never don't really care about time because they're all but immortal, right? So, and Harry weird. actually mentions that in this section, so. Yeah, he, he, it's definitely strange how much they're pushing him. Mm-hmm. Harry right. has to finish this from a mortal perspective. He's being pushed. Harry has to finish this quickly so he doesn't get mm-hmm. ousted by the White Council of Wizards, in which case he will be immediately murdered by the Red Court of Vampires. So uh-huh. we got a whole lot going on here as we walk out of the interaction with Maeve and Harry gets grabbed by the back of the neck. And what do we got? And Harry says, being held up by your neck hurts. Trust me on this one. (laughs) I would imagine it does. So uh, we have been accosted by two of our little friends that we saw previously. Uh, Fix is being held down by Billy. And Harry is being held up by the neck by someone we learn. Her name is Meryl. And she says, I wanted to apologize to you, Mr. Dresden, for hitting you and throwing you into the dumpster. I raise my eyebrows. Are you sure you got the right guy, Meryl? No one ever apologizes to me for anything. She pushed at her hair with one hand and it fell right back over her face. I'm sorry. I was scared earlier and I acted without thinking. I traded a glance with Billy. Uh, okay. I'm pretty sure lurking in a dark alley to mug me with your apology isn't the usual way to go about saying you're sorry. But I didn't read that Mars Venus book, so who knows. Her mouth twitched and she relaxed her stance by a tiny degree. I didn't know how else to find you, so I was just waiting near. So I was just waiting near your car. It seems to be that a lot of people do that. Wait by his car to find him. It's a well, very he, distinctive vehicle. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's had that car for a while, and it's like kind of part of his identity now. So he's definitely not on the DL ever. (laughs) (laughs) He's also like six foot eight or whatever. Like he's gigantic. Yeah. And a long, gross hair, hasn't shaved a whole lot. He's he he pops. He's a sore. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely does. The other thing is, I like how he uses his snark here to kind of put her at ease. Because I think it's very intentional mm-hmm. that, you know, oh, I have I don't know I, that I didn't read that Mars Venus book. So who knows? And she kind of like but she she kind of smirks and then she she relaxes. And I kind of like that. Like he's using his snark for good. <laughs> and then he asks her, who are you? She says, I told you my name is Meryl. OK, fine. What are you, Meryl? She flinched at the question. Oh, I'm sorry. I I didn't know what you meant. I'm a changeling. We all are. Billy, like the rest of us, is like, a what? Changeling, I said to Billy. She's half mortal and half fae. Aha, Billy said. It means that she has to choose whether to remain immortal or become wholly fae. Yes, she said. And until then, I'm under the rule of the court of my fae father, Winter. The others, too. That's why the four of us stuck together. It was safer. What makes you think your friend is in trouble? She's not very independent, Mr. Dresden. We share an apartment. She doesn't have a good, very good idea of how to take care of herself, and she gets nervous if she's out of the apartment for too long. So Meryl is asked to help find Lily. Lily is the, light, the, the pretty green-haired girl from the photograph. So now we learn, we now, that now everybody's, everybody's half fae. Trying to, I'm trying to find the, uh, where's the button to make the ding, ding, ding noise? That's, that's my, yes, there you go. Lissy's right on her theories. Horn noise. (laughs) (laughs) And so we get a little idea about what happened to these folks. Meryl thinks that the winter night did something to them. And Billy asks, why would he hurt people in his own court? Meryl let out a brief, hard laugh. Because he can. He had a thing for Lily. He would hurt her, frighten her. He got off on it. He was furious when Maeve told him to back off. And once Ron was gone, her voice trailed off, and she turned her head to one side. How does Rule fit into this, I asked. He was protecting us. Maeve had been torturing us for fun, and we didn't know where to turn. Ron took us in. He put us under his protection, and no one in winter was willing to cross him. But what about your fey dad, Billy asked. Didn't he do anything to look out for you? Meryl gave Billy a flat look. My mother was raped by a troll. Even if he'd been strong enough to do anything about Maeve hurting us, he wouldn't have. He thinks he's already done enough by not devouring my mom on the spot. Oh, Billy said. Sorry. (laughs) That's awesome. Not that the troll raped him. Just so we're clear, we're not cheering the troll raped. Just so we're clear. I'm just stoked that I was right about something. (laughs) <laughs> and you know harry let's asks have you contacted the police she eyed me oh yeah of course i called them and told them that a mortal champion of the fae came and spirited away a half mortal half nixie professional nude model of fairyland they were all over it i had to admire the well-placed sarcasm it doesn't take a supernatural stud muffin to cause something very bad to happen to a cute girl in this town your plain old mortal kidnappers and murderers can manage just fine either way she's in trouble and she says, help me find her, Mr. Dresden. And literally in my note, I said, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only help. 
moment. Because <laughs> it is. It's very much sure you're all you're my only hope, Mr. Dresden. Help me. Yeah, and he, re- he references that in a second my- here when he says, like, a few hours ago, they were terrified of me. And now they're begging me for help, you know, which is very much like you're saying. Yeah. Like, this is like Last Chance Saloon. Yeah, it really is. It's Princess Leia putting this random recording into this droid and sending him off into the universe, hoping he finds the person he's supposed to find. I bet he's, I bet he's going to find him. Yeah, I think so. Eventually. This is an interesting moment where, I mean, it's a girl asking for help. She's not quite a damsel in distress, but when they ask for help, Barry always says yes. This time it took him a little bit more, probably because he understands the danger and also, I think, because she's not yeah, a pretty I, young girl. Yeah, I put in my notes that, I mean, I even put yikes in red here, like, this to me feels a lot like I mentioned it last week about how he described her hair as pond scum color. Like because she's not attractive, she doesn't count for his chivalrous chivalrous. He, he says it to Elaine. Remember to Elaine oh, earlier. He says yeah. for Elaine, he immediately says, I'll help. I would have said it anyway, because it was a girl asking. And like, because she's not attractive, she doesn't warrant that level. Like yeah. again, to his credit, he does end up agreeing, but, way longer than you know, they flip they flip roles meryl yeah. is kidnapped or d- missing and this is lily asking he jumps all over that opportunity 100 percent. that's very yeah, he's a dumb yeah. young 20 he's a dumb young 20 something you know kid for all real realistically you know that's I, so true some of our 20 somethings may not like that and that's that's okay i mean you, you are an adult he is an adult but he's still learning and growing through life and so like yeah, yeah. you get some credit there but it is very stark how hard she has to work because she's not a cute young thing, which every other yeah. female we've interacted with has been just. Not. Yeah, I agree completely. Oh, and that was the one thing where it's just like, I, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt, but also being aware that she's not a pretty young thing, but he is aware about, of the danger in this situation, but you're right. You know, he, there's danger in all of these situations, but not necessarily always from the female. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, that one line he said to, to Elaine. I mean, I'll, maybe I'll try to find, find it here. Yeah, no, that's true. That's really, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what line you're talking about. And that's a really good point. It just puts in such stark relief. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point. The smart thing would be to blow her off entirely or to promise her I'd do it and promptly forget about it. This just isn't a good time. I felt like crap the second I said it. I didn't look at the changeling's face. I couldn't. There's too much trouble already, and I don't even know if I can help myself, much less your friend. I'm sorry. I turned to go, but Meryl stepped in in front of me. Wait, I told you there's nothing I can... I'll pay you, Meryl said. Oh, right. Money. I was about to lose the office and the apartment, and this fairy work only paid, paid in misery. I needed to pay some bills. Go to the grocery store. My mouth didn't actually water, but it was close. I shook my head again. Look, Meryl, I wish I could double your fee, she said, her voice urgent. Double my fee. I hesitated some more. Triple, she said. She reached for her back pocket and produced an envelope. Plus 1,000 cash up front right now. I tried to look at things objectively. He never looks at, at women asking him, him for help objectively. Never once ever. Before or after this. Never once. Like, this is... It's very clear. Yeah. In my mind, at least. Again, I'm happy to, mm-hmm. I love being wrong because that means you're learning stuff. So if anybody has a, disagrees with us, please, you know, let us know what your thoughts are. I, I'm delighted. I mean, this is yeah. obviously a very dangerous situation he's in. And you can make that argument that maybe it's a bigger deal than some of the stuff he's been messing with in the past. 
his plate is obviously very full, but I, it just seems like there's one reason and one reason alone while he, why he's hesitating so long. Yeah. Because the, the situation with Elaine was very, very bad and had, you know, his life was at stake. Mm-hmm. I needed the work, but more to the point, I needed to be able to live with myself. I wasn't sure I was comfortable with the idea of looking back on this particular patch of memory and seeing myself leave some helpless girl, changely or not, to the metaphoric wolves. People don't ask me for help if they're anything less than desperate. The changelings had been terrified of me only a few hours before. If they had turned to me for help now, it was because they were out of options. And they also had money. All right, I'll look into it and do what I can, but I can't make you any promises. And so they're going to go call Murphy. See what she can find out about Lloyd Slate, who is the winter knight. And Billy says, anything I can do to help? Actually, yeah. Get out the phone book and call the hospitals. See if the morgues have a green-haired Jane Doe. You think she's dead then? I think it would be a lot simpler if she was. He grimaced. Calling morgues? There must be about a million of them in Chicagoland. Isn't there anything else I can do? Welcome to the glamorous world of private investigations. You want to help or not? Harry heads back to the, the Blue Beetle. And through the window, I saw a form, more or less human-shaped, curled up on my passenger seat. I circled cautiously to the other side of the car, then abruptly opened the door. Elaine is in a rough state, covered in blood. Her matted hair on one side with blood. She looked dead. Yet she had a very still pulse, but her skin felt cool and waxy. She started shuddering and whispered, Harry, I'm here. I'm here, Elaine. Please, she whispered. Oh, God, please help me. Damn. Mm-hmm. So, what do, what do you think happened to her? She got sliced and diced. Fair enough. <laughs> That's about all I got right now. Though, um, I did... <laughs> this is... I said, uh, do we know if she was dumped in the car or did she climb in? I need scene photos. <laughs> and this dude needs to lock <laughs> his fucking car. That was my note on can't, that. Can't imagine it's tough to get into a... Uh... <laughs> An old beetle, but no, I can't. But do you have any any potential suspects? Any thoughts? It's hard because I'm thinking it's the ogre. Okay, Grum, right? Troll ogre, whatever he is. But we don't have any indication of him having sharp things. I I just don't know. Just wondering what your thoughts are. So on a, I do have. A, do you have any other like serious thoughts on that chapter? Because I have a fun one. No, I don't. I don't really have any. I mean, we've discussed it also. So in the audiobooks now, you, you, you don't catch this. It's just a normal audiobook and life is good. Uh-huh. In the original audiobook for this novel, I linked it to you in the uh, Discord here. So I want you to listen to it. Yes. I think I can make it. But I'm going to also put it into the pod, this clip. Um, at the beginning, at the end of last chapter, he gets grabbed by the back of the neck. Uh-huh. So we get into this chapter and he's being held by the neck. And as Marsters goes through it, he speaks these lines like he's being choked. And at one point when he says, the grip on the back of my neck, relax. Oh, like I said, I'm going to put this in here so we can actually listen to it. Because it is really funny in a small clip, so I can mm-hmm. imagine it gets DMCA'd. And he, he says, oh, the back of the neck. Fuck! Ha! <laughs> <laughs> <Just this. laughs> That's spectacular. And it stayed in the published oh, version of the audiobook. For years. 
I love that. Which is just fun. I mean, he says that uh, somebody asked him at one of the cons and he was talking about how like, look, I'm 10 hours a day sitting in that chair. Like sometimes stuff happens and I'm actually really glad that it was only one cuss word because I've mentioned that opalescent is a word that pops a lot for me. Opalescent, yeah. And he has a couple others, but I guess Marsters in that same uh, answer to that question at the concert was says that uh, he says little a lot. And often he will say, you know, little, and he'll finish the sentence and then say, Mr. Butcher, there, say minuscule, say small, like you're a brilliant author. Like there are other fucking words, <laughs> but he, he just says random shit interspersed. So he puts notes in because you trust that to get it. That they'll out. be edited out. Yes. That's spectacular. And as someone who accidentally leaves mistakes of myself and Lissy in this very podcast, I, I don't not try to pile on the editor. I just think it's, it's hilarious. And it was a really it's spectacular. Oh yeah. So, um, like I said, I'm going to put that clip in this pod just cause it's great. <laughs> and I've, I've mentioned it before on forums and stuff and people are like, Oh, I never heard it. And I just found it yesterday. I was really excited to, uh, be able to get that in here. That's awesome. You want me to take her? Wait a minute. The man should say, okay, he's off. Put me down. The grip on the back of my neck relaxed and I, Oh. Oh, it's on the back of his neck. Fuck. <sighs> so even the best can make mistakes. So. <laughs> so he checks out Elaine, and she's got her forearms have been laced open in several places. The worst injury was on her. What open? I have laced. Have been laced open. What the fuck is laced open? I don't know. What do you have? It says laced open, but it, I'm, oh, I'm just, yeah. that's not a term. I mean, I mean, lacked, but because lacing isn't a term for injury. I wonder. Sliced open? Laid open? Sorry, it just, I didn't notice it when I was listening to it. And now looking at it, I'm like, what the fuck is that? I mean, Lacked open isn't something that the normal populace would use or understand. Are you looking at uh, the Kindle? Yeah, it says lot. It says laced. Okay, just making sure I have the same version. No, it, it does say laced, but I didn't notice it. And it's just that's had been laced open in places. That doesn't make sense, butcher. It's not an accurate injury term unless you're being lacked, which is lacerated. But. So it probably, I mean, it, the simplest solution is that it is just a misspelling of lacked uh, or a miss, you know, usage. Yeah. Or, um, or a typo of some sort. Or laid. Um, it's supposed to say laid open. Yeah. I'm thinking it just, because on her forearms, it seems to me like defensive wounds. Yeah. Um, Which. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't. Short rant, short rant real quick. Okay. So lacerations are blood force injury. And if these are. Defensive wounds on her forearms are likely sharp force injury, which are not lacerations. Okay, go on. <laughs> Every medical provider I ever speak to, they're like, oh, they're lacerations. They're not lacerations and sharp force injuries. Lacerations are caused by blunt injury. Anyway. Lacerations are caused by blunt injury? Yes. Laceration is splitting and almost tearing where there's uh, tissue bridging. An actual laceration, that's what a laceration is. Interesting. An incised injury is with a sharp force that is longer than it is deep, a stab wound is deeper than it is long, caused by sharp force. 
Interesting. There's your Alyssa's corner injury report of the day. <laughs> or injury lesson, whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, Lace, he's obviously going for creating lacerations. Possibly. Interesting. I don't know. I just, it's just sorry. That, now that, like, I guess I'm paying closer attention and looking at it while you're talking. It's just like, what does that mean? Okay. Sorry. Well, no, I mean, it's... Because she's got a nasty puncture wound just inside of her left clavicle, too. So I'm thinking it's stabbing. But a puncture wound is usually caused by a needle. Oh. Was she hit with a needle? A needle? Where do you think that's from? Winter. Where they injected the night mm-hmm. with a needle. It's bleeding a ton. Which would be a... And again, with the defensive injuries... Well, and then he says the edges of it had been puckered closed, but it hadn't stopped the bleeding completely. So it could be a laceration that has multiple levels of depth, because the way a laceration works is it's never even. And if she's bleeding internally, but it could be a stab wound because he's she's laced open. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting. Now that I'm paying way too much close attention to it, it's a it's a awfully non-specific set of injuries. Well, I mean, he's not a medical expert, right? So, no, I mean, no. This is how I, I mean, I would describe it. I wouldn't use lace. No. But, you know, I would say Floyd. a bunch of cuts or I might. I know what lacerations are, obviously, but or I thought I did at least. <laughs> yeah. Cut open, flayed open. Yeah. Flayed to me feels like kind of like a whip result of like whipping, you know? Yeah. Um, a flay. But this could be it could be, had been sliced open or flay is like um where you remove the skin of something um but yeah i would say sliced probably yeah i mean again just as a non-expert i didn't even think twice i mean obviously laced was interesting i was like i don't fucking yeah. know what that means i assumed it was the same root as laceration and a word i'd never heard before but kind of contextualized but because he talks separately about the puncture wound right like it's a different yes type. so I, he's definitely shooting for lacerations so it's a different type of wound. But the thing is, they could be it could be laceration mm-hmm. or it could be those incised wounds I was talking about where they're longer than they are deep. And then the okay, puncture yeah. wound is a stab wound where it's deeper I mean, than it, it is. is long. That is what happened. <laughs> but yeah, but that's the thing. A puncture wound is different than a stab wound, technically speaking. And this isn't me being pedantic. It's just me being like, I can't picture what these injuries are. Mm-hmm. But it would make sense that she was stabbed in the neck. Yeah, so I mean, setting the scene, she got stabbed dabbed at some point she got nailed by something real bad uh-huh and then then was defending herself and somehow fought it off got back to harry's car somehow either dumped there or put that or put herself there I'd li- i need to see i'm sorry i need to see i need to see scene photos please so i can determine if somebody put her there or <laughs> So what, what, why would they injure her like that and dump her? Or why would she crawl, crawl there? Well, I think she would go there because she knows it's a safe place. Harry would save her. Harry would help her. Why they would dump her there? Giving Harry a message saying that she's not safe. We know who she is. We know she's precious to you. But who knows besides Bob and Karen? I don't know who knows. That's the thing. Somebody could know. Interesting. I mean, or she's shady as fuck and she set this up. That's the third. 
Because we know how much I trust Elaine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good good, good way to get somebody to, to trust you is show up bleeding and mm-hmm. needing help. Catch him off guard. So they have a conversation, and she has the same response as Harry usually does when he's injured, which is no hospitals. Hers is for a different reason. She, yeah. she doesn't want to be found. They'll find me there, she says. Who they is, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But she directs him to Aurora, who's the summer lady. Mm-hmm. At a hotel, there's an elevator in the back of a hotel somewhere in Chicago that will take you up to the Summer Lady, apparently, which is good to know for all you uh, Chicago listeners. <laughs> S- stay safe when you're around the Rothschild. Unless you're in cahoots with Summer. Yeah, I mean, unless you're looking for him, I guess. Wizard Rodriguez uh, sent us a very kind and also a, a great idea letter this week about one of our Chicago listeners. Yes. So stay safe out there, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> He blasts over there in the beetle, goes back to the some sort of service entrance, basically. Mm-hmm. And he, unfortunately, there is no sign that says Summer Court of the Fairies <laughs> this way, but a wizard can dream, can't he? He picks her up and mentions that she's, she's slender but had too much muscle to be light. She's a, like a build of a long-distance runner, long and lean and strong, which I guess isn't that bad of a description. No. Um, just kind of explains why... Why she's heavy. Yeah, it's giant dude struggling carrying this... <laughs> Muscled, skinny, muscled lady. He finds the elevator. It opens up just in time, almost coincidentally. And there's a young lady in there, a girl, five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing with sunny hair pulled back into a braid. Painter's overall. She's got overalls with paint on them. She's got glasses and a ponytail. <laughs> she could never be prom queen. I was just um, thinking that she's, what's her face if she's all that? Mine was the, whatever the, Mocking, she's all that. Oh, teen movie? Not, not a teen, teen movie, movie yet. Yeah. Description of it. She's got paint on her overalls. <laughs> Sorry. Back to our horrible movies of the 90s. One of the worst pieces of media that I've uh, referenced. Mm-hmm. This gal says, come get her inside. The lady can see to her. And she calls her Ella. You know, we, we've talked a lot mm-hmm. in the past about honorifics. This is more of a obviously a nickname, but having that kind of casual, suggests a more casual and long-term relationship. They obviously have some sort of background. Knows them enough to give them a nickname. Yeah, which, I mean, we see that with Harry where he gives everything mm-hmm. nicknames. So it could just be, you know, a quick one. But if you're talking about someone to a third person and you use a nickname, mm-hmm. that's at a point where that nickname is pretty ingrained. In yeah. You, right? I mean, I... I talk about Lissy and Alyssa, like Lissy and Lissa, um, and Ice, all sorts of things on, on here. <laughs> I, I mean, I use all, all the nicknames I have for you when I'm talking to the general pod public. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm talking to you, obviously, but even in the TikToks that I make once every month and whatever, it, I can't imagine doing that with someone I just met that I made up a nickname. Yeah, you know? that makes sense. So, yeah, and I mean, Elaine mentioned that she'd been hiding out with Summer for yeah. a while, but having a close personal kind of relationship there is just interesting background for sure. Yeah. Some character building that we, without, again, without Elaine even being conscious, we learn a little bit about her, which is great. You mentioned this offline, the, uh, the forest that they come up the elevator on, which is just really a cool image. Again, we're back to the cinematic. It's just really cool. And I've, I've seen things like this. So I love the idea. And this mm-hmm. is just, this description just blows me away, which I really, the reference to Borneo, which is kind of funny. Um, I just really love also, it. 
I, I love it too. It kind of like gave me a minute of like, uh, what's that restaurant? Okay, I can't remember what it's called. The one oh, with all the, the rainforest one, yeah. The um, rainforest cafe, yeah. That was sort of like that very all-encompassing. You're in the rainforest, but also this is a very significant juxtaposition between winter. When we walk into winter, it looks like an old hotel and people are dancing, and it's very much, you know, here people are creating art and I literally put art versus intrigue and excess and both of them have thrones and both of them have pools of water, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's the other thing about this is that the winter lady desired attention. She needed to be everybody pay attention to her while here we have the summer lady who hides who she is. Oh, that's great. And I like that a lot. Yeah. Although obviously it's intentional. Just, I mean, one thing to mention on that is that Maeve is helping them create art, right? I mean, music is certainly. Yeah. Well, but the music and both, well, the other thing is that both of them have humans creating music because they have a flute player or something here who's human. Yeah, no, I like that. But it's, it's, but it's also like Maeve destroys that man and we have Aurora creating but it makes sense for summer versus winter. Winter kills, summer grows. Oh. So, yeah, those are... I, can, I saw, like, the major juxtaposition instantly, and I was just like, ooh. Oh. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so stark that it's obviously very intentional. Um, oh, 100%. But I really do like... what Again, show, don't tell. We learn a lot about the two different courts and the, certainly about the ladies. Mm-hmm. just by where they choose to hang out. Yeah. The worlds they create, because obviously these aren't naturally there, but the worlds they create for their existence on this plane. That sounded really deep. Really smart. <laughs> and why wouldn't it? Uh, I'm a little bit much, but you know what? It's We're analyzing literature here. So I can be a little ridiculous. <laughs> a, a very minor mm-hmm. element to this whole thing is in the elevator, there's no buttons. There's one keyhole, yeah. one keyhole, which tells me this elevator obviously goes up to this floor and this floor only. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly established. So whether the winter lady is, or sorry, the summer lady is always here or not. Some, but this is a place at the, this isn't like a, He's not teleporting through doors somewhere else. This is at the hotel is what it sounds like to me. Yes. Or could it be a um, glamour on the elevator? It's certainly, I mean, yeah, no, it certainly could be. I, I don't. Or it's just an elevator to the roof. I don't have any suggest reason to, to believe it is a glamour. Yeah, it could just be an elevator to the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, again, why would there be an elevator that only goes to the roof? It could, well, uh, my thought, again, it's in a big city. It could be an event space. Okay. But why, I mean, you know, and for, if you have like people who to set up for those events, you don't want them going through every floor and a service elevator. And that was the sort of my thought on it. Oh, I like that. I like that thought for sure. I, my thought was just that it is always here. That she is always there. Yeah. Or always a place that the winter, the summer lady can come and go. Okay, that makes sense too. 
there's animal noises and wind rustling around the forest, mm -hmm. silver moonlight. The girl mentions, I'm so glad I was going out for more clay just then. Right this way. And she takes him and Ella around a trail and onto a grassy glade. Grassy glade? Not an easy one to say. Um, there's a pool that Lissy mentioned reflecting the moonlight. Just a, again, a gorgeous setting. There's statuary, lots of marble of humans mm -hmm. and... It's peaceful. The throne is made from a tree, living wood, you know, just a living tree that's still going, so, which is really cool that her throne is, again, like you said, it's not, it's a life. You know, some of yes. it's about life and growth, especially if you're an Ebola virus. We see people doing art, or excuse me, we see different types of fairies doing art. Sounds like, again, not always specific whether it's man, men or she, but he specifies that the woman on the pipe is mortal. So I assume they're probably mm -hmm. she, but doesn't super matter. There's a gigantic dude hammering out at a forge. When Harry says, where is she? Where's the lady? There's a big old centaur, which is kind of cool. You haven't seen a centaur before. No, we haven't. I love it. I love that that's part of the, the mythos of this world, though. And he's actually the guy that was at the forge. So he, he looks like it was just a big old dude with a big chest. Turns out it's a big old dude with a big chest and Clydesdale-sized hooves. <laughs> and he's not happy that somebody winter-bound here? It cannot be born. He's like, whoa, there, big fella. He doesn't drag out the woe, but I'd like to think he did in real life. I'm not, looking, I'm not looking for trouble. And fairly, certainly the centaur says, there you stand with our emissary's blood on your hands. He, he does. But again, it doesn't make any sense. Why would he bring a bloody emissary? Come on, brother. Let's go. Let's figure this out, centaur. <laughs> Get this guy some oats. Maybe a carrot. Um, a, <laughs> a tall she man barks. Corrick, hold. My Lord Talos, this arrogance cannot be tolerated. I'm only reading that so I could do the fun voice. Um, and uh, the, the tall she says, peace. But my Lord. And he calms him down, basically. He's like, the there's a the she who's Talos obviously knows what's going on. Harry's here bringing the injured emissary. Mm -hmm. He's not trying to start trouble. Um, you know how horses get. But uh, <laughs> exactly. I'm so I'm such a nerd. Sorry, I had to though. And there's an exchange where Talos is like, "Ah, don't judge Cork too harshly. You're Harry Dresden. If I'm not." He's going to be upset with me when he catches me running around in his underpants. <laughs> so by the accords, Alos, the Lord Marshal of the Summer Court, grants him passport, which I believe means that he's all good to hang out. Um, they're not going to attack him. They're not going to throw some glamour at him. They're not going to try to make a deal for his firstborn. He is a guest. He gets to hang out and enjoy all the protections thereof. So long as he doesn't start anything, of course. And Harry, completely unimpressed. Like, yeah, that's great. Nice to meet you. Can you help me save this woman's life? That's the important part. He mentioned to Billy that they don't really have any interest in time, especially how mortals view time, mm -hmm. which is why it was so, what's up? And that's why it was so conspicuous that everyone was, has been rushing him so far. I think this is more normal mm -hmm. for how the she act. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll take care of her. Put her down. We'll see what happens. Forever, yeah. Yeah, she's all good. She's cold, but she's got a little strength left. She's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And Harry says, go get your lady. She needs to see Elaine now. And I like this line from Talos. We may hear it again later. 
She will be here when she will be here. I cannot hurry the sunrise, nor the lady. I don't think it's super deep or meaningful or anything. I just like it. (laughs) So there you go. And they offer him mortal food. It's the girl, the sculptor. She offers him something to drink, something to eat. And again, she makes it clear that she's offering him mortal food. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. offer the other kind because he's now their guest. He says, like hell, not until Elaine is taken care of. Halos gives her some sort of jolt. Um, maybe jolt, it may not be the right phrase. They call it a surge of energy, but he, he blasts some healing power into her. She takes a deep breath. She gets a little bit better. And the, the girl says, Talos can sustain her for a time. He has been Ella's guardian and friend for several years. So there you go. That clearly, they do have that relationship. Mm-hmm. They bring out a turkey sub, a cold can of Coke, and a small bag of potato chips. Just, just they have it lying around in case it's a box anymore. lunch. It's a box lunch. Exactly. <laughs> it's never worth the price, but you get to hear a good speech usually. <laughs> Sometimes. And as he says, Talos had granted him safe passport, so he he's not worried about any sort of uh, fairy food or drugs or anything like that. She continues to, to work on her sculpture, and they have a little back and forth where he explains what's happening. And the girl asks, "Why did you bring her here? Like, you're working for Summer's enemies, right?" And again, Harry's trying to, everyone thinks he's like this winter slave. He's like, no, I'm not friendly with them. I have a job. I and, just know them. <laughs> and the, he realizes that the bust that she's working on is Lily. Sees that she's a changeling. Of course, Lizzie was right that she's a changeling as well. Um, I don't know if they tell us what she's half of, but where's my soundboard? <laughs> I'm getting the list. Two out of three for correctness. We'll see how this one progresses. There's a couple of other pieces that she's modeled for around the garden. And the girl says, she's very gentle, very sweet. Harry says, very missing. And the girl says, she hasn't been here to model. And I've never seen her anywhere but here. I'm sorry. Worth a shot. Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any thoughts on that line? Worth a shot? No, that, that exchange so far. Well, she says she only sees her there, but she knows that Talos has been her guardian and friend for several years. Slightly incongruous if she only sees her while she is there, but it also indicates that she comes there a lot and that they've been there for a while. Okay. So maybe it's, you know, with the, where we were talking about the elevator earlier. Yeah. No, I like that thought a lot. And I, that I'm sure is subconsciously how I developed that mm-hmm. thought. I just har- always hearken back to Bob's line in mm. this in all of these exchanges where he meets all the queens and the different uh, fairies and different she, things are always more complicated than they seem. Yes, they are. Choose another line that I think this one is important, not necessarily at face value, but I like mm-hmm. it, where she says, you're not like anyone else I've ever met who was working for Winter. Mab usually likes her agents colder, I think. Hungrier, more cruel. Hmm. Makes sense. Because I can see that. Yeah, no, it certainly does based on what we know about Mab and of the Winter Court that we've met thus far. But it's important to note that that is Summer giving a description of Winter. Yes. Not Harry. You know, she says, it makes me sad to think that you've gotten entangled in Winter's snares. He's, he seems like a decent person. I think he's a decent person, too. And then Harry says, oh, hell's bells. You're her. You're the Summer Lady. In my notes here, imposter syndrome. <laughs> Harry's really good at what he does. Yeah. But we only get his first person version of it. Yeah. And he doesn't have very positive self-talk. 
That's very true. Um, I just love that showing the competence that he has. Like, there's a reason why this dude has lasted 17 novels. Spoiler alert. He's been around for a long time because he's great at what he does. Yeah. And just that little, like, uh, yeah, he figures it out. It doesn't do it immediately or anything like that. But he's sitting here eating a sandwich, having a conversation. He's like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> well, but the other thing is he's survived. Uh-huh. That's the biggest thing, I, it, to me at least, is that he's survived. So that says a lot about his skill, at least in my, bu- in my book, that he, he truly is very skilled. Yeah, and I liken it to, again, death of the author, to Harry Potter, where he mentions a lot of time. Where it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's not me. Like, I, I've had help. I've had been lucky. Like, everything just, it works out because of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, cir- circumstances and chance. That was a different character. But you don't survive that many opportunities accidentally, right? I mean, at a certain, yeah. at a certain point, there's intent. You're putting yourself in a situation to be lucky, right? Yes. You put yourself in situations to be successful. You're being you're you're going to be successful more often than not. Um, and Harry, again, we don't necessarily. It's obviously not first person in Harry Potter, but we get a lot of his thoughts, and it's the same here. Where like there, Harry's this bumbling hilarious fumbling terrible wizard who just happens to be really strong mm-hmm. in his own mind but he's like a badass investigator he's excellent at what he does in real life and he just doesn't recognize it which i love and this is a good opportunity for him to be great nobody sees it so nobody will give him any credit for it but mm-hmm. again harry figured out the she when they're presumably they're really good at this they've been doing this for hundreds of years who knows yeah, that's really accurate. That's very true. And, and I, I like that. I like that perspective where it's just like, oh, no, no, I'm not very good. But it's like he, he has to be. To, to have survived to this point, he has to be. He defeated a. Um, he defeated a wizard that was much stronger than him while he was a youth. Mm-hmm. You know, he survived thus far. All of the things we've seen, all of the adventures we've seen him go through, he survived. He just has an ability to get him out of messes, but he also, he's observant. He figures things out. And I think that's kind of important. Absolutely. They have a good back and forth about how this is really a game. You know, it's pieces moving around and Mm -hmm. trying to battle for power. He says, are you going to help stop playing games and help Elaine? And she says, that depends. He's like, on what? On you. Don't go getting specific on me now. I wouldn't know how to handle it. (laughs) <laughs> do you think this is a joke mr dresden a game i know damn well it isn't a game she says and that's where you're wrong it is a game but unlike the ones you know you aren't allowed to know the rules to this game and it was never intended to be fair and there's an interesting juxtaposition where she says she has to be cautious in the use of her power and he's like maybe sure as hell doesn't think that way and he's like of course not she's winter mm-hmm. violent vicious and merciless which I think is probably all true, but again, but it's also her perspective. From yeah, the enemy. Now this one we've seen evidence of, so it's a little bit easier to take some of that mm-hmm. um, because we, Harry's seen it. But just the broad strokes of everything in winter being this terrible thing, and everyone who works- winter bad, summer good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we learn a little bit about the Lenanshi. Where first off, Aurora calls her his teacher and guide, which is an interesting way to describe what we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And then she also says she's the most vicious creature of Mab's court, more than Maeve's equal, second in strength only to Mab herself. 
That is very interesting. Uh-huh. This says a lot, too. Absolutely. I mean, he's his godmother is fucking powerful. Yeah. And nasty. And we've seen some of that, mm-hmm. kind of her willingness to, like, cause kerfuffle. She doesn't, hasn't really tried to, like, truly hurt anyone, really, but she just likes chaos and problems. And I don't know if it's right to describe her as evil based on what we've seen thus far. I don't know how, how you feel about that. No, evil is, is a very strong word, but she's not very nice. Oh, certainly not. I don't think she's a good guy by any means. It's just interesting. Again, that evil is a strong word. Yeah, and she doesn't call her that. She calls her a vicious creature. Mm-hmm. But we really haven't seen that. I mean, certainly threatening Amarakis was problematic. Um, but I wouldn't call that vicious. It's just her causing problems, basically. Just Which she does so well. Yeah, and that's what fairies are known for. Yes. Making bargains with mortals and they don't work out the way you think and all that shit. Manipulative. Exactly. I mean, and quite frankly, she might have known what was going to happen when she made that deal with Bianca. Mm -hmm. She created the situation where Harry had to do the right thing by giving her Amarakis. So, I mean, you know, the twisting of deals that fairies are famous for, I don't know why that would only extend to mortals. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think she has a particular respect for the Red Court? Like, these fucking guys? Like, I, I can't imagine, right? Yeah. I just literally came up with that theory this moment and I love it. (laughs) The idea that she was giving, she, that trade wasn't just about the dagger for Amrakis, but it was also about fucking over Bianca. Yeah. But, and I, I just, the fucking over of everybody is, seems to be a theme. Yeah. But I mean, but in the end it worked, tends to work out for Harry. So who knows? That's true. I also though appreciate that, uh, Aurora knows Harry. She knows about him. She knows his, what he's done. Yeah, Harry is kind of getting famous at this point. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a note about this later, but Ancient Mai references that as a problem, that he's kind of flaunting his power and his abilities. Oh, yeah. I imagine it would be, too. He's not keeping it on the DL. And we saw that even Grom was quick to run away when the cops were coming, because mm-hmm. it is very important to everybody to keep it on the DL. Yeah. Just that line that a godparent was chosen to ensure that a child had religious and moral guidance and teaching. That's how Harry Mm. describes it. And that's one of those. So to everyone on the outside, she is guiding him and teaching him to be like her. Mm -hmm. And that's why Aurora says, I believe you. I don't trust you. Yeah. And then she talks about his past. He's a mercenary and how he's, he's killed someone. And her entire frame of reference for him is that Leah was his godmother. And a godmother is meant to teach and guide. And if she's teaching and guiding him like that, ugh. I wonder how much the White Council knows about the Lananshi. I feel like they probably know a lot. You'd think that would come up in that meeting earlier as, Maybe, another, as yeah. another reason to damn him. Maybe. That's true. That's a good point. But I don't know. That is a really good point. She says a line here. Again, there's a lot of lines in this that I really like. Some are more powerful and important and long-lasting than others. I think this one really does 
mean a lot in the overall story where she says of the two people who entered this garden, Mr. Dresden, Elaine is not the most grievously wounded. You are. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's had such a tough go of it so far and he's so damaged socially, emotionally. Mm -hmm. When I, when I heard that, I was like, Oh yeah, it's true. And again, it's part of why, you know, we've, we've given him a lot of shit for the choices he's making and the descriptions he's given. Mm -hmm. And I I think a huge part of why we keep coming back to this character is he is damaged. Like he's supposed to be damaged. And that's why such a butcher does such a great job. Again, I think, except in Stormfront of showing that he is damaged and this is flawed. It's realistic. Yeah. It's him trying to be the best human he can be. And for the most part, he makes great choices. Mm -hmm. He also isn't all the way there on understanding what he needs to do, especially with his interactions with other people. Mm -hmm. He's never had normal relationships. But the other thing is that with his life experiences, you expect him to be flawed. Mm -hmm. You expect him, you know, and that's one of the big things that he is. And this is a contradiction, but he's perfectly flawed. The way the character is created is so perfectly flawed. And I really do appreciate that, that we never know what trouble Harry's going to get himself into and how or if he's going to get himself out. Mm-hmm. We know he's going to survive. Obviously, there's 80 billion books after this. But it's the... He might not get out of every situation. Like, he didn't get out of the situation with the Red Court. He is still thoroughly entrenched in that, that situation. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. So I, I, I really do, you know, he is perfectly flawed. Oh, and that's, you know, we talked about it, was, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but about Butcher's story system. Yeah, asking a question is how he describes uh, scenes and stories. And the question was, what will Harry do when, you know, with this conflict with the Red Court, you know, or how, and he, they answered it, yes, but, you know, like, yep. he was, yes, he was able to solve the, you know, he was able to get out of it, save the girl for the most part. But, mm-hmm. and it keeps the story cooking, and that's why there's interesting stuff going on. And so, at some point, there's going to be a no, and furthermore, where he, fa- <laughs> yes. he fails and everything goes to hell, probably. But because why would that be one of the choices? <laughs> yeah. Stormfront was pretty much a yes. Can Harry stop this evil wizard in time? Yes. You know, it was a pretty happy ending and tied up neatly, pretty much every- almost everything. Um, you know. Obviously, he had some relationship issues with Murphy and at the end of Full Moon, but it was pretty much a yes. And then we definitely had a yes but for the last one. Um, yeah. oh, anyway, he talks about doing scenes more that way, but either but way. But just the story in general. I like it, though. Aurora does something to him. She does some sort of warmth spell. Yeah, that- something that releases his shored up in like stuff he's hiding yeah and all his pain and just everything built up physically and mentally and he just gets like kind of that bliss for a second it releases everything yeah i guess the bliss of nothingness um when you're always hurting nothingness is bliss she offers to take all that pain away but he's got to stay there and not continue to help solve this issue with winter and she says, yeah, at least you're true to your word. Your honor is admirable. 
even if it is misguided. Which is interesting. Again, he tells her to help Elaine, and again she says, "Yeah, she's fine." Well, let's let's chit chat. Yeah. Like, God damn it! Fine, talk. And they talk a little bit about rule. We learn that summer is getting ready to go to war against winter. Without the summer night, they basically have to do this. Yeah. There's a, a huge amount of power and influence, and the specific abilities of the night to interact with mortals, and or just to be mortal, have free will and interact in the ways that the, the knights can, is almost more powerful. To a degree. Than the power, capital P, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, that's, they've got lots of powerful she running around. They only have one knight. And, and Bob mentioned that the knights, you know, they're like paper cups, they change. Yeah, they don't care about the particular knight. But, but the this, existence of the knight is yeah, significant. The mantle and the ability of doing the, the interactions you can have and the things you can do with that mantle are very significant. Yeah. And so the reason they're going to go to war now when they don't have the knight is because they're at the height of midsummer, the height of summer's strength. And so Harry asks a great question. Why would winter pull this now? If they'd waited a couple of days, they could have held all the cards. Why leave you enough space to wriggle out? She says, I cannot, cannot even pretend to know the mind of winter. She says, promise me that you will do what you can to stop them. He's like, I'm finished making promises. But I will say this. I'm going to find the killer and straighten this out. And I'm going to do it before midsummer. And to show more growth since full moon, I didn't bother to add, because I'm as good as dead if I don't. No need to belabor the obvious. <laughs> That's facts right there. And then he goes to a payphone. And he rings up the faithful Murphy. And... Faithful Murphy. He says, <laughs> she's not his dog. Ah, but she's a faithful companion. She is, in fact. And this, I listened to like a million times because I freaking loved it. As I pulled into the parking lot, I reflected that the odds were that not a lot of clandestine meetings involved mystical assassination, theft of arcane power, and the balance of power in the realms of the supernatural had taken place in a Walmart supercenter. <laughs> but then again, maybe they had. Hell, for all I knew, the mole men used the changing rooms as a place to discuss plans for world domination with the psychic jellyfish from Planet X and the disembodied brains in a jar from the Klaatu Nebula. I know I wouldn't have looked for them there. <laughs> so they meet up in the cafe of a super Walmart in the middle of the night. And he tells Murphy everything. He gives her a warning that if I tell you this, he says, if you, come on to, into, if you come in on this, you have to understand something. You have to promise me that you won't haul SI and the rest of the police in on everything. You can dig up information, use them discreetly, but you can't round up a posse and go gunning for demons. Why the hell not? Because bringing mortal authorities into a conflict is a nuclear assault of the supernatural world. No one wants to see it happen, and if they thought you might do it, they'd kill you, or they'd pull strings higher up and get you fired or framed for something. They would never allow it to pass. You'd get yourself ruined or hurt or killed, and it's likely a lot of people would go down with you. And you, you could die or get expelled, or worse, get expelled. Um, at least he does not in the right order. Still want me to tell you? Hit me, she says. He says, and I told Murphy all of it. It took a while. I told her about Justin and about Elaine. I told her about the supernatural forces and the politics at play. 
in and around the city. I told her about the war I'd started because of what the Red Court had done to Susan. I told her about the fairies and Rula's murder. And most of all, I told her about the White Council. Those spineless, arrogant, egomaniacal sons of bitches, Murphy growled. Who the hell do they think they are selling out their own people like that? Some silent, delighted part of me let out a mental cheer at her reaction. Oh, Murph. Besides me cheering at that also, mm-hmm. I love how similar that is to, I'm going to actually read it, if you don't okay. mind, um, to swill-spouting pack of lollygagging skunk wallows that Ebenezer called them. <laughs> yeah, I think Ebenezer and Murphy would really hit it off. I think they'd be buds. 100%. So I just thought that was, I, I, A, I loved her saying that. It was just like, fuck yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But B, the, uh, just, that's the second person who's like used fun, colorful language Mm -hmm. saying, fuck the, fuck the white council. It's great. So Murphy's in the know. Uh, she gives us a little rundown. If you don't find the killer before midsummer, the fairies slug it out with each other, which would be bad. No matter who won, it would make El Nino look as mild as an early spring thaw. She said, Andy, want my help. You've worked homicide before. You're better at it than me. That goes without saying, she said, a trace of smile on her mouth. Look, Harry, if you want to find out who did the killing, the best way to start is figure out why. Why what? Why the murder? Why we all got bumped off? Oh, right. And why would someone try to take you out in the park yesterday? It could have been almost anyone, I said. It wasn't like it was a brilliant attempt, so as far as they go. Wrong, Murphy said. Not neat, but not stupid either. And so Harry says, hired gun. So who did the hiring? From what you said, my money's on vampires. They're the ones who benefit most from you being dead. If they punch your ticket, the council will probably sue for peace, right? That's what they had in mind. It's stupid timing. They Pearl Harbored a bunch of wizards somewhere in Russia two nights ago, and the council was pretty angry about it. Okay, so maybe they figure that if your investigation finds Royal's killer and gets the council brownie points with the fairies, they're in for a real fight. Killing you before that happens makes sense. Except when it went down, I wasn't involved in the investigation yet. Mind if I ask you a few questions? Maybe I'll see something you don't, okay? Okay. This dreadlock chick, Ma- Maeve. How sure are you in your instinct about her? That she could have done the murder, I mean. Pretty close to certain. But not completely? No, fairies are tricky in that way. Not completely. What about Mab? She never out and out denied responsibility for Will's death. But I don't think she's a killer. What makes you say that? I don't know. I do. She could have picked anyone she wanted to represent her interests, and she chose you. If she wanted to cover her tracks, it would have made more sense for her to choose someone less capable and with less experience. She wouldn't have picked someone as stupidly stubborn as you. So even (laughs) Murphy has great faith in his ability. And I love that. Because it is important. He needs that. So they're discussing the various Plots and plans and people. A little alliteration. And uh, the lights go out all at once. Harry says, my heart all but stopped. A second later, battery-powered emergency lights came up and revealed a roiling cloud of silver-gray mist spreading into the store from the doors. The mist rolled over a startled cashier and the woman slumped, her mouth, lightly, her mouth slightly open and her eyes unfocused staring. 
Good Lord, Murphy said softly. Harry, what's happening? I'd already gotten out of the booth and grabbed the salt shaker from our table and the one next to it. Trouble, come with me. I love that he grabbed the salt shakers. <laughs> I literally wrote that in my notes also. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. It's so great. It's so fantastic. I really do love it. I really just, he makes me happy. Yeah, just a subtle move, right? He grabbed the salt shakers yeah. from his table and the one next to it. And he'd already done it by the time Murphy, who's like a pretty sharp cop from all we understand, mm-hmm. always look, looking around, noticed what was happening. Yeah. Noticed, noticed that anything was happening. He was already out of the chair grabbing the salt shakers, which I love. But again, this shows us without telling us that he is good at what he does. As Absolutely. a paranormal whatever supernatural investigator he is good murphy just told told him that told us that he was and he's shown us that he was it's great i absolutely love it and we i mean we saw aurora know who you know she obviously she knows who he is like who harry dresden is not just who as the emissary but like as the guy he was before that and murphy again he the only guy who does the only person in the universe who doesn't think harry's great at what he does is harry dresden so there's a weird turn of phrase where he says, curse it. We can't get out that way. Curse it. It's. It stands out. Doesn't. I mean, he uses random exclamations all the time. So it's not like it's like, again, yeah. not mischaracterization. It's not bad. It's only time I remember reading that word or that yeah. phrase. Same. <laughs> we see what happens. A couple of people get hit by the, the mist and they kind of just like go to la la land yeah so he realizes it's probably a mind fog he says i think it's a mind fog you think she's like, he's like i've never <laughs> seen one before i don't know they're illegal <laughs> uh, she says illegal says who says the laws of magic you didn't say anything about laws of magic if we get out of here alive i'll explain it to you sometime so so he didn't tell her everything <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that was like intentionally holding those back. No, I think no, no, right? no. it doesn't make sense to tell someone about the White Council and not, you know, mention that. He was that. just telling her the basic storyline and like, you know. Exactly. So Murphy tries to get a hit a fire alarm and nothing happens, unfortunately. Would be real easy in a very short chapter if they did. <laughs> but Harry realizes we just need to get out of here because the mind fog's not really gonna hurt anyone. But they're very clearly here for me. Or yeah. It would be shocking if they weren't. And if they get out of there, they'll just leave all the people alone, most likely. So he says, they're probably trying to flush us into a dark alley or something. Are you carrying? He's like, are you kidding? <laughs> hey, yes, she has a gun. It's an old, old gun. He's like, a reliable would be better. He's like, Why don't I just throw rocks and sharp sticks out while I'm at it, Tex? Just a good little, their friendship is, you know, joking and back and forth. Even in this situation, they still care enough about each other to give each other shit, which I like. Turns through some swinging doors and almost runs into the fog about a foot away and Murphy grabs him. So maybe they don't want to hurt us anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to gas us and kill us when we're we're down. So they keep getting deeper and deeper into the Walmart. And here he he does some, it's it's actually a really cool interaction. He, He does the, puts up a circle with salt what he's going to do is put a charm on Murphy. And I love, again, he does this quick and dirty magic on the fly. Mm-hmm. It's always fun to see because it's usually a spell that we won't see again. You know, thinking like the 
following with your nose spell yeah. from Stormfront, stuff like that. And remember, this is Murphy's first interaction with the supernatural since she got mind tortured by the nightmare last novel. So she has a moment here where she's scared and she doesn't know if she can get through this. And Harry says, if you don't, I will personally make fun of you every day for the rest of your life. I will call you a sissy girl in front of everyone you know, <laughs> tie frilly aprons on your car and lurk in the parking lot at CPD and whistle and tell you to shake it, baby, every single day. <laughs> you do realize I'm holding a gun, right? <laughs> You're fine. Hold, hey. your, hold your hand still. Hey. It's just so good. Again, just in a very tough spot, their relationship is at its best, which may or may not be healthy, but it, in this moment, I think it is. It's just like, yeah. they're very much like he understands that she's having a moment and the best way that he knows how to interact with her and, and get her out of this is to just make fun of her, <laughs> just to give her some shit, you know? But um, that makes sense for her. Oh, exactly. That's how, again, she's like, like a tough guy cop. She, you know? Yeah. It, it's just a great, it shows that they know each other and that they're beyond the kerfuffle from, there's a telling line in here where she says, I've never really seen you, you know, do it before, which is interesting that he's never done magic yeah. in front of her. A, I'm going to go back to that ancient my line that I gave ancient my credit for. In this case, fuck you, ancient my. He's never done magic in front of any of his best friends. Right. Right. We saw with Billy. Billy was like, I'd probably do it with fire. Like, what? You could do fire. <laughs> and we, any fuego's fucking everything. So, I mean, freaking. Rudolph has seen him do magic and Murphy has right? it. Sheesh. Um, Rudy. Rudy. But clearly he's opening up a ton, obviously with the conversation earlier, but now he's just going to do some magic in front of her. And like, yep. there is nothing really left secret. Like he's not keeping secrets. She understands what he is and who, what he can do. She's known this. And remember when they first got Kravos, the nightmare when he was human, Mm -hmm. he did a spell to shut down his magic because he had the Ken doll with his hair on it. Yeah. That was probably anatomically correct. I love that. But I wonder if because it just shut down his magic, they didn't see anything. And so they didn't really think about it. Mm. And it wasn't like he was doing a lot of stuff. He just had it. Yeah. And he just made a circle, did some stuff, do, do, do. All right, let's go get him. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, so she has seen him do magic technically, but she didn't really see anything realize happen. he was doing magic yeah I nothing think. nothing happened right so and this now he's doing a spell on her and he does a uh memoratum defende memorius which presumably is defend their her memory from the memory fog mm -hmm. uses his blood to empower the spell there's a little knot on her wrist with the hair and the stuffs and she gets goosebumps up her arm and she's like whoa uh, it is cool again seeing quick and dirty magic so first her first time seeing it which is i think it's cool for us to see murphy see magic i don't know i'm such a fucking murphy stan now this is ridiculous <laughs> i love it i was thinking that while i was listening to this chapter and i was just like this chapter this is josh just this is this is one of those chapters where you can't help but love her especially now that i've turned you oh well I mean, and again like i obviously loved her in liked her, liked what she was doing in this chapter anyway and when she gives him shit about it later is awesome. But it was just against the background of a character I didn't particularly like. And now it's against yeah. the background of a character I freaking love. Yeah. It's great. Oh, goodness gracious. 
So he didn't make himself a charm. I think he just did a little like self empowering spell there mm -hmm. or just using his will. And so when they hit the mind fog, he gets kind of like woozy and then he's back. It's my understanding of what happens there, right? It sounds like it. This time. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but it, they're both now safe from the mind fog. So now they can. Let's make let's, shit happen. Let's go to Woik. Um, they, they make shit happen. Exactly. And Murphy's got the gun. So she's in front. He's got the shield spell, though. <laughs> but it can wrap around her in front of him. Defendarius Humanus. Human shield. They run into the damn Tigress again. Which is frustrating. She just always pops up in these situations. I mean, obviously she's involved, so she should. But still, what a jerk. Um, it'd be nice to just have the ghoul show up on a dusty road with some tumbleweed at noon. Right. You know? Murphy gets him, uh, out, gets him out of the way here. And she, she closes in with the Tigress. And she traps her gun arm. And she does some cool martial arts grappling mm -hmm. stuff that she does. And she's winning. Which is kind of cool. She gets the gun out of her hand. She stays away from the weapon. That's, they're like garden shears, pruners that the, uh, the tigress is unit using. Pokies trying to stab her with. And she ends up doing, again, because she's got such a low center of gravity and good, good martial arts skills. Uh -huh. um, and I don't think the ghoul is particularly large. The female ghoul or female's ghouls smaller than other ghouls. Probably just based on other creatures. But who knows? She said, get on the floor. You're under arrest. And then we realize, oh, no, I'm not. As the tigress then turns into full ghoul form, she opens up into just big old mouth and gross and stronger and bigger and smellier. Yeah. Wouldn't a ghoul be smelly? <laughs> but imagine how bad her breath smells. Yeah, eating rotting corpse, like just little chunks of corpse that gets caught in her teeth, you know? Nasty. No bueno. No bueno. So as soon as Murphy realizes that this is not just a bad guy this is a mm -hmm. monster bad guy she uh gets a little iffy and she starts you know shaking her gun as she's shooting <laughs> the tigers is like aren't you gonna tell me i have the right to an attorney <laughs> she never did finish the miranda right so hopefully we don't get a confession or something here <laughs> murphy makes a does a like a terrified sound and the the ghoul what's funny is the ghoul does what harry said he was gonna do She's like, such a big gun for a sweet girl. Like, that's not what you say to Murphy. <laughs> she says, if you smell that good, I wonder how good you'll taste. That was not a good ghoul voice, but that was the ghoul voice. Mm -hmm. If you smell that good, I wonder how good you taste. Taste this, bitch. And I now, love it. now Murphy is, in, is back to Murphy. She's mm -hmm. balanced. She's shooting. And these shots are accurate. And I actually did circle this. The bullets didn't drive her back. That's for comic books and TV. Real bullets just rip through you like lead weights through cheesecloth. Not actually true. Yeah, that's so, Lissy, that was my deferred expert here. Oh, you know, I've seen videos of people being shot and it does, they do go back. They, I mean, it doesn't send you across the room, but depending on the caliber of gun, it, it, it throws you back. Yeah, I mean, it, maybe it's just like a little, like a tw little 22 or something. And this is a big old ghoul and, who I doesn't mean, feel it, stuff. And but... it jolts back. So yeah, but, but I mean, yeah, no, it doesn't throw you across the room. Not at all. Yeah. Unless you have a bowcaster. I mean, 
course, that's going to blast you across the room. You have a much better Chewy than me. Do I? Can't be worse than mine. <laughs> I don't think I can do Chewy. Oh, wow. That's why I'm the voice guy on this pod. Yep. I do actually do fun voices. You do like, uh, what do you call those? Accents. I just do loud, angry monster noises. Six to one. Two or three to the other. <laughs> Murphy shoots until it clicks empty. <laughs> she reloads. And the ghoul does a, wait, wait, please, you win. I give up. And Murphy is, has no interest <laughs> in stopping. She's ready to nope. rock, her, rock her some more. But Murph, to your right. I shouted, and there is our old buddy, Grumsky. Grumsky. <laughs> 12 feet tall, red, reddish skin, a gigantic ogre. And Murphy, as we know, is itty bitty. Five foot nothing versus 12 foot ogre. Um, I would try to hide, or at least get out of the way if I were Murphy. Harry tries to distract him. Hey, tall, red, and ugly. Harry mm -hmm. tries to do some uh, Sterling Archer here with counting the rounds, and he doesn't know how many rounds she has. <laughs> well, it matters that he's counting, but he is. Boom! We hear a big old rifle crack, mm -hmm. which is great, because now we have the ghoul, we have the ogre, and now we have somebody covering the exit <sighs> with a gun. No good. We just get into the best situations, these two. Seriously. <laughs> he's like, what is it? He says, fairy. He's already trying to kill me. No point in being diplomatic. It's a big ugly fairy i just like he's like fuck you you're a fairy you are a fairy he gets chased into basically he's as he's trying to run out he gets driven into a trap they have the back of the garden center is kind of closed off but mm -hmm. they also have it they have it gated off so that he's stuck in there you lose wizard i mean this is very cliche though why are you doing this who the hell are you working for mm -hmm. and it's cliche but also i like that it's in ogre cadence or yeah. a ogre phrasing you got no guess gee that too bad yes you go to your grave not knowing it's just like that is pretty great it's a very cliched villain thing to say at this point yeah. but you don't hear an ogre say it very no often, you so don't it and it's it works as as the ogre yeah it's just kind of funny if i had a nickel for every time i heard that he said <laughs> and here, you know he's telling murphy to run she's like no not without you he's like i'm a big boy i can take care of myself of course, immediately after saying that, things get worse. They always as, get worse. They really do. The clump of wood and trees and dirt and mm -hmm. limbs and bushes and things come together and start standing up as an anthropomorphized garden center. <laughs> Stars and stones, Harry. When will you learn to keep your mouth shut? Oh, this... This is just spectacular. And the plant monster. No, wait. I couldn't possibly refer to that thing as plant monster. I'd be a laughing stock. It's hard to give a monster a cool name on spur of the moment. But I used a name I'd heard Bob throw out before. The chlorophene lifted me up and shook me like a set of maracas. That made me giggle. It's just so hairy. So the chlorophene is throwing him around and he's using a shield so he doesn't get broken. Using the kinetic energy transfer, doing all that magic stuff. And 
Then the chlorophene hits one of the metal shelves. The creature drew its smoking fist back and screeched again, eyes blazing even brighter, angrier. Steel, I muttered. So you're a fairy something or other, too. And, you know, we have our action movie where it's chasing him down and quick and dirty magic evocation is drawn directly from a wizard's will and turned loose without benefit or guide or limit. It's difficult and it's dangerous. I suck at evocation. They required focus, such as my shield bracelet or a blasting rod, to be properly controlled. But for doing big, dumb things that require a lot of energy and not much finesse, I'm usually fine. He vento servitases, and he says power, magic, coursed through my outstretched arms and lashed out at the night. The wind rose in a sudden roar, a screaming cyclone that whirled into being just in front of me and then whirled out towards the heavy metal shelving. The chlorophene screamed again, nearly drowned out by the windstorm I'd called only a few yards away. The enormous, heavy shelves, loaded with tons of material, let out a groan of protest and then fell, toppled over onto the chlorophene with a deafening din that ripped at my ears and shook the concrete floor. The chlorophene was strong, but it wasn't that strong. It went down like a bush under a bulldozer, shrieking again as the steel shelves crushed it and burned into its substance. I love it. That was just a great... Such a great... It's very cinematic. Again. Yeah, we don't get those... We get, you know, Fuego, and mm-hmm. he, he does... Fuego server does, and stuff gets blown somewhere. Yeah. We don't get this, like full scene of like the the detritus and the debris and all the shit falling and like just it's just such a cool visual very cinematic oh yeah so he's climbing up the chain link fence to get out thinking he's gonna have to risk getting through the barbed wire and murphy shows up with a gun pointed at him whoa whoa murphy said i showed her my hands and promptly fell off the fence it's me She lowered the gun and let out her breath. Christ, Harry, what are you doing? Texas cage match. I won. Even in this moment where he's practically going to be dying, the chlorophyll is shrieking. He's cracking jokes. Rematch doesn't look promising, though. Where have you been? She rolls her eyes at him. Shopping. I love it. He says, you got shot? No, why? You're limping. Murphy grimaced. Yeah, one of those bastards must have thrown a bunch of marbles on the floor. I slipped on one. It's my knee. Oh, uh, Murphy blinked at me. You did that? Well, it was a plan at the time. Harry, that's not a plan. It's a Looney Tune. She limps back into the mist and returns half a minute later, carrying a pair of bolt cutters. So I didn't mention it last chapter when he let the, the marbles loose in the fight with the- I the, love it. The fight with Grum. He was just trying to make it unsteady ground so that the big ogre would slip or something, which is a very Looney Tunes idea. Um, mm-hmm. I don't- think it was successful no <laughs> it did it did get somebody to slip though so hey there you go points for trying and so murphy says you know harry says we need to get out she says whoever was covering the exit out front can probably see the other doors too a silhouette in a doorway is a great target it's just like a shooting range how the blazes did they see you through the mist i feel like that's going to be important later um which part that they could see her through the mists. Mm. Um, it's, you're, uh, you're right. The main exits are covered. The one thing is in the garage. Uh, sorry. 
That thing is in the garden center, and 10 to 1, Ogre Grum is watching the back. Where are you going? I have a plan. Better than the Looney Tune one, I hope. I grunted in reply. No need to argue with her. We both realized that if this plan wasn't better than the last one, then, as Porky Pig would say, that's all, folks. (laughs) (laughs) You know it's going to be a fucking Looney Tune plan. I love Harry's Looney Tune. It's great. It makes his, me happy. His, his heroes are Looney Tunes, um, Villains. Wally Coyote. Oh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> so do we have any thoughts on that chapter? Was that 20? Mm-hmm, chapter 20. I enjoyed it. I did, too. I love, I mean, you laughed at it, too, so clearly you loved it as well. The chlorophene. Oh, my God. I lo- and that, that Bob, Bob came, of course Bob came up with it. <laughs> Well, Bob, I, I would guess it means it was actually a thing at some point. Yeah, but it must have, something must have come up and during their adventures. His back and forth with Murphy about it was so good. We'll talk about that later. And, yeah, I mean, it's certainly a precarious situation. Mm-hmm. There's one more chapter in this kind of scene that, A, I mean, it is a good cliffhanger. It's like, oh, we're going to die. But more than anything, it's just, I think for time, we should cut it there. Yeah. But, um. But yeah, I mean, it's just a pretty good action scene. So, I mean, it's, we get a little bit of lore, I guess, with the the ghoul and just talk like a human and talk shit. Again, more b- bullets bounce off Grum. Nothing really can bother it. And the Chlory Fiend is certainly interesting and terrifying. But um, yeah, but hilarious, too. Oh, so good. It's just, again, so ridiculous. We talk about how cinematic a lot of the things are and like how cool they are looking. This is like a pile of bushes and leaves. Uh-huh. It's absurd. So I love it for that as well. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Or you want to hop into this, the, uh, the full-on analysis? I, I really liked the humor, and I love how we kind of just got a, an, an additional insight into their relationship, into Harry and, and um, Murphy's relationship. But I also enjoy the juxtaposition of his partners in crime. We've got Billy, who doesn't know much. And then we have Murphy, who knows everything now. Yeah, I mean, Billy knows more than Harry gives him credit for, right? I mean, he tells him, he, he's got his ear to the street, and he knows that there's yeah. a war. He knows a lot of stuff. But he definitely, like, everything is new and, and surprising to him, for sure. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have the experience, I guess, is a better where he has some of the knowledge of, of, you know, that these supernatural creatures exist, but he doesn't have the experience and Murphy has the experience and didn't have that knowledge. And now she has more of the knowledge. And it's just the way that Murphy and Billy both are so like eager, mm-hmm. not always positive, but very eager to yeah. get after it is, is great. And it's like almost a character flaw, you know, like they're these dangerous. They want to save the world, but it's, it's cool. There's a little bit of naivete to it for sure, but it's mm-hmm. for the most part, it's just good people wanting good thing, good results. And if yeah, no, they no want one to else do good. is going to make it, yeah, they want to do good for the world. So and I like that. I do too. I'm a sucker for good for the world. Yeah. What? Uh, any questions for me? I don't think so. I think I'm uh, pretty much in a good place because I, I understand. I understand. You know, a lot of it is just happenings it's not anything um in the realm of 
needing to know more. It's just sort of like things that have happened and, and the interactions and stuff and his knowledge. And I really like how we talked about how he thinks he's just mediocre, but everybody else is like, no, nah, you're really good. And like the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. I mean, I, we see really it all, like over, all over this chunk where he just does stuff. Oh yeah. It's uh, great. Could, a, could an ordinary 26, 27 year old wizard do? I can't imagine personally. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know any maybe? other 26 or 27 year old wizards other than Harry. I think you might be older there's, than that. They're severely lacking in this area. Yeah. Never should have. Our family never should have moved out of the Midwest. <laughs> boy, oh boy, am I glad they did because I am a California boy. You are, in fact. Lissy is a uh, whole other. Like a farmer. <laughs> Midwest born, California raised. You weren't. Washington Courthouse, were you guys? Yeah. Were they, were they still living there? Yep. Like one, a one, one horse town, like straight up one horse town. Yeah. And, and when I went, when I went back there in the early 2000s, it was still like two stoplights. It's kind of cool. A little bit, but it's also very strange. Oh yeah. Certainly mi pretty middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Ohio, but, um. Outside of Columbus. There you go. O-H. I-O. <laughs> as of right now no downloads in washington courthouse well that's tragic this is ridiculous how many people live there <laughs> oh i don't know Fourteen thousand. Oh, it's a it's a veritable city Fourteen thousand. still considered a small town but it's not like a village i did love what we learned about leah but we went over that a lot but that was yeah. i think really good powerful stuff Again, a character we haven't seen all novel. Mm -hmm. And um, we learned she has less influence over Harry now because she sold her debt. But mm -hmm. um, we also learned that his former life errors, his trials and tribulations are relatively common knowledge with the Fae. Yeah, I thought that was really strange and cool. Yeah. It's interesting. The bullets thing. I'm glad that you helped, were able to help me out with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I just have quotes. So story-wise, the conversation with Aurora, I think, is heavier than it looks like. Uh, I know I, I've, I've read it before, but I don't think even necessarily like direct spoilery-wise. But I, I mm -hmm. think just reading it through, I think it's intentionally vague in a lot of spots. You know, we, we saw there's one point where I'll talk to you about it later in the novel when it kind of circles back where remember last week bob asked or last week's chunk anyway i don't know if it came up on the pod but bob asked harry if mab directly said she didn't do it oh said, yeah no i i didn't even ask she kind of danced around it some of that conversation aurora says stuff that is true because fairies can't lie the she can't lie yeah but that that's a really good point Again, that's spoilery because I know, but also I'm just thinking about reading what I read today and even the stuff that isn't a spoiler per se, like maybe there's more spoilery or a foreshadowing in there than is clear to me, even me. Yeah. Which is a conversation I want you to kind of think about as we move through this novel and others. Well, and I will as well. Is Grum, after the fight with Grum, we've, we've seen a little more of what he's capable of. Is he still yes. your lead suspect? Um, I, maybe... Just because, right. I mean, I still think she's shady. Uh, yeah, so the Elaine attacker. Mm -hmm. I, li I like your thought of Elaine staging it 
Yeah. Is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, who... What side does Grum work for is certainly interesting because... Winter. Does he? I, I'm feeling Winter. Okay. Because the... he's... Go ahead. He was in the Summer Nights residence. He has... It's the vicious, the dark, the negative, but he did have power over the plants. Or somebody had power over the plants. Yeah, I mean, were, he's working with a chlorophyne. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a little bit of both. That's my fear is that it's going to be both winter and summer are going after Harry together. And it's just. There are wild fae certainly involved. You yeah. Know, so like there are fae that aren't necessarily aligned. Um, but yeah, no, interesting. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard. All right. Um, any further thoughts or things before we move through this? No, I don't think so. Um, I don't know how much like hints I should give you on stuff. I right now I'm doing basically none, which is that's okay. Some, that's fine. But um, there's some stuff I want you to put together, and I'm hoping you do soon. I'm hoping. I'm not pressuring you. Just saying, like, as a, I'm intrigued by your brain thought. <laughs> Yikes. What do you have? Um, on the yikesy front, there wasn't a whole lot, I didn't think, but um, I certainly had Meryl, but what do you Meryl, got? Meryl, that was the one I had was Meryl. Everything else was pretty much action-y. Um, because even when uh, Aurora changed, like he wasn't all creepy about it. Um, but with Meryl, it was kind of, it was just, a, mm, you know, I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I have this, I told you I was going to look up the quote. When he's talking to Elaine, mm -hmm. she says she needs help, and he immediately says, I'll do it. Of course he does, because it's Elaine. And yeah. It's a girl. But he says, it could have been any woman asking for help. And I'd have said the same thing. It might have taken me a second or two longer, but I would have. Mm-hmm. But Meryl is part ogre. But she's so, still a woman. Yeah, but we don't get the, we don't know how big her breasts are. We know nothing about her curves. That's true. That's true. All we know she's is that she has on scum colored hair. It's like the yeah. only, it's just like the only negative descriptor we've gotten. I can, that I can think of besides the dead eyes on Helen yeah. Beckett. But like, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it, it pops. And I, like I said, I encourage people to point me in a better direction because I do sometimes reach on these things, but like, help me understand what else, why else could this be so different to every other female interaction we've had? I don't want to only give Harry negative stuff. I just, well, but I mean, so. it's just one of those things. Yeah, so um, could certainly be a lot better. Yeah, I mean, pretty yikes free beyond that that I can remember. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was still pretty significant, but yeah, not too many because it, it was all so much action, you know, there was so much else going on. Tough to be yikesy when you're in the middle of a fist fight. Yep, fight pretty much. Fight an ogre and a ghoul, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what are you thinking for quotes of the week? Oh, I've got a few. Most of them we went over, um, but let's see here. My first one is at the very beginning. The doors opened a geological epoch later onto an, a scene as incongruous as a gorilla in a garter belt. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the geological epoch later part of that also. The second yeah. half is great. The whole, the whole line is just so good. Oh, yeah. Um, and then 
the two are during the chapter 19. They're very close together. I guess the ghoul shouldn't have laughed. Murphy's eyes cleared and hardened. The gun steadied, and she said, Taste this, bitch. I love Murphy. Wait, she rasped. Wait, please, you win. I give up. Murphy ejected the clip, put in a fresh one, and worked the slide on the gun. Fantastic. She's like, fuck you. <laughs> She's love getting it. to the ready. I love it. I think it's fantastic. But yeah, those are the those are the three. All right. My I have a couple here as well, even though you stole one of them. Mm-hmm. As you're wont to do, you get to go first for that reason. <laughs> Aurora says, but I know that they must not be allowed to destroy us for your sake as well as ours. Boy, everybody's looking out for my best interests. <laughs> and when he, he, she asks it if the magic worked, he's like, well, if you go out there and you don't go to La La Land, yeah. That's what I love about working with you, Dresden. The certainty. And you read it, but it's so good. Where he, The first part of the chapter, he says, no way, I couldn't possibly refer to that thing as a plant monster. <laughs> Gotta give it a cool name. And he's, when Murphy says, what is it? Chlorophene. A what? Plant monster. <laughs> I love Sometimes it. Sometimes simplicity is better than coolness. Yep. It's so fantastic, though. It's just the, But it, it, those two elements just make it so entertaining to me. Absolutely. I love their relationship in this. Is so, I mean, it's just that one conversation and then, you know, mm-hmm. obviously the, the fight scene. But it's just so good. I really do like them as mm-hmm. um, it's a great. I'm glad I opened your eyes to it. God damn it. <laughs> Taking full um, credit. Taking full um, fucking credit. Fair enough. It's going to be interesting as we get through this, some of her good and bad choices down the road. Mm-hmm. So do you have yourself a crackpot theory of the week? I mean, there's a couple that I've got working here. Okay. That Elaine's situation was staged. Okay. And that maybe summer and winter are working together to get rid of Harry. I just kind of spitballed that at the during while we were talking there, but I mean, as that's a ele- elements thereof, or the courts themselves, elements thereof. I don't think the full courts because that would just be a little bit messier. But maybe I, I, I mean, maybe the mothers, maybe the queens, maybe the the ladies. Somebody's working together. I feel like okay. So that's my moment. Fair enough. Um. All right. Interesting. So much going on. I mean, would you say that Harry's the focal point of there? Because Harry kind of got dragged in by Mab, right? Yeah. But I think that he may have lit the fire by starting shit with the red court. Okay. And you don't like, there's just so many in there's so many um, variables and unknowns with what the red court can and will do. Yeah. I mean, again, though, like thinking of that, the, at the beginning, Titania said something to the white council in her message that she won't, isn't interested in the interactions of mortals. And what did she call them? That's why I don't think it might not be the Queens. It's someone, but I think it's someone from the courts. Okay. Because it's all a power play. It's all about power. It's not about anything other than power. And Harry's very powerful. Oh, of course. I mean, it's never about anything but power, ever. Certainly with the she, but... Yeah. 
All right. On that front, I love it. Some good theories, some good lore, some good quotes. Oh, boy. Heck yeah. What a, what a day. And a good pump for Lissy. Getting jacked. Just biceps and chest. Glamour, <laughs> gl- just glamour muscles. Yeah. I assume she does more than that. But I don't know why. I, why uh, I need more than the glamour muscles? I kid, I kid, to, I kid. To move all the dead weight. But I'm... <laughs> well, you know, I do do deadlifts at work. <laughs> She'll be here all week. <laughs> Tip your bartender. <laughs> all right. Um, on that note, thank you guys again. Just another great week of uh, pumping out these downloads, of asking questions, educating us, encouraging us to read new book series. That I I love that. Absolutely, putting on the pile the list here. Um, I got to read some. Cord a thorn of roses or some shit that Lissy keeps bugging me about. Can yep. you imagine bugging your sibling to read a book like <laughs> more than one or two times? It's ridiculous. The only um, problem is, is the cord of thorn and roses is like six hundred pages to listen to the audiobook. Fair enough. I'll be my on my way to, between games after I yeah. I'm sitting in the air conditioning crying. That'll be my go to. Alrighty, I think that'll about do it this week. I appreciate every single one of you listeners, except for that one guy in Edinburgh. He knows what he did. Oh my goodness. All right. Uh, (laughs) Thanks so much, Lissy. You are wonderful and spectacular. I am happy that you are here today. I'm happy that I'm here today. I'm delighted that I have been Josh. And I am Lissa. With the podcast was on fire. And it wasn't my fault. Sure, I think so. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Not <laughs>